Welcome to Inside the Road, the podcast where we speak to the leading minds in wealth management. I'm your host, David Clark, and today I'm speaking with Ben McCarry, the founder and portfolio manager of the TOTUS Alpha Fund that listeners to the podcast will be familiar with as we've spoken to him in previous episodes. This is part of a series of podcasts we're looking to put out on a very regular basis during the COVID-19 crisis that's currently sweeping the world and has resulted in very volatile markets. It's well worth noting that to date, Ben's fund has been up 9%, able to utilize both long and short positions to produce gains. In this episode, we discuss Ben's view of the current environment, as well as his outlook, the fiscal stimulus, and how he has the portfolio positioned. Please remember this podcast is not specific advice or recommendation to buy any investments. We encourage people to listen to the disclaimer at the end of the podcast and also to seek financial advice prior to making any investments. Please remember to keep the feedback coming. You can reach me at david.clark at codacapital.com. Enjoy the podcast. Ben McCarry, welcome back to Inside the Road. David, good to be back. Ben, uh, uh, firstly, thank you very much for taking the time. I uh, really appreciate it. understand that markets are very volatile um, with what's been going on with coronavirus. And uh, also, uh, to our listeners, please bear with us. We are doing this over Zoom, uh, given that uh, myself and other CODA partners are working from home. So if there's noise of children working at home or the workmen across the road, please excuse that. Um, ben, perhaps you could kick us off by just giving our listeners a little bit of a refresher as to uh, who you are, what you do, and 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 the strategy you run at TOTUS there. Sure, David. Um, so TOTUS Capital, we're a, a long short fund uh, based in Sydney. We started back in 2012, uh, April 2012, so just coming up on eight years um, of performance for our main fund, the Alpha Fund. Uh, we also have a, a long bias fund, the High Conviction Fund, uh, which is a lot smaller and was launched a couple of years ago. But in the Alpha Fund, we're really just looking for high quality businesses with long-term tailwinds, clean accounting, um, simple businesses we can understand with an established track record. They're often quite cash generative and with good balance sheets. On the short side, uh, we actively seek out companies facing challenges uh, often with stretched balance sheets or problematic business models, heavily relying on external capital, um, and we balance the portfolio with that, which has delivered, you know, good uncorrelated returns um, over those eight years, and uh, so far is holding in pretty well in 2020. And of course, 2020 has been a very bumpy ride for markets and investors. Do you perhaps want to explain, in your words? and the way you're viewed what has happened uh, over, say, the last six weeks? Sure, sure, David. Look, I, I think um, we've got to put this sell-off in the context of the starting point for markets, which was that 2019 was an extremely strong year for equities, both in Australia and the US, and almost all of that um, share price growth was on the back of um, multiple exp expansion rather than earnings expansion. And if you look at 
uh, the February reporting season that just went past in Australia. It was one of the weakest reporting seasons we've had in the last 10 years. And those companies were reporting numbers as at 31 December 2019. So before we had bushfires, um, you know, before the virus. Um, so I think people need to think about this sell-off, you know, a little bit in the context of that starting point. So um, we've been a little sceptical about how, you know, enthusiastic I suppose the market has been um, over the last 12, 18 months. Um, we had a, an up year last year, but trailed the market and thought that some of the signs that we were seeing in that the cash burning companies with less proven business models uh, were some of the best performing stocks, particularly in that fourth quarter of 2019. And we thought, look, that was uh, rather than chasing those kind of stocks in the market after a big multiple expansion period, um, you know, we were better off having a relatively low net exposure relative to history and um, a small, uh, a lower than normal gross exposure. And that we seem to be in the minority because the view coming into 2020 was that with fiscal stimulus in the US, zero interest rates, you know, a supportive Fed, uh, the risk reward of being short was extremely poor. So I think most investors were relatively fully invested, um, even long short funds, um, my peers, you know, in the market that I spoke to um, were, had minimal shorts on, um, you know, coming into this environment. So uh, that's the, I suppose, the backdrop. And then we started to see this uh, news come out of China in late January, which I, uh, the market immediately um, dismissed as one-off, um, you know, uh, unlikely to impact um, us. But, you know, we took a different view early on, just on the basis that China was the world's second biggest economy and our major trading partner here in Australia. Um, and we started to reduce positions um, or peripheral positions and actively um, look for companies with um, direct China exposure um, on the short side, uh, not expecting that this pandemic would, um, you know, expand or or the contagion that we've seen in Western economies. But, but that was the starting point, which um, allowed us to, um, after a slow start to February, um, regain some good performance on the market. We finished February only down a percent in what was one of the, you know, the tougher months for the ASX uh, over the last eight years. And then things have only got worse um, for markets in, in March so far. I think it's worth going back to your original comments there, you know, I, I know, for instance, I was talking with someone uh, at the end of 2019 and looking at various investment strategies and the comment was made, well, you know, um, something like this TOTUS Alpha Fund, uh, which invests in Australian equities um, as part of what it does, but it's also long short. Um, it's, it's only up, I think, circa 9%. The market was up circa 26%, well, gee, that, that's not very good. And there was, well, hold on, there's a bit of a discussion here around, well, there's only 20% net exposure. There's a lot of insurance built into that. And the next conversation was, well, you know, um, everything's going to be okay at, un, until Trump gets elected. The Fed won't be stepping in and raising things. So, you know, this is put, push all your chips in 
and, and I suppose six weeks later, um, markets were down at one point about 35% since about the 20th, uh, the 20th of February. There's been a, a large difference. And, and for people like yourselves who have been able to uh, either um, hold value in February or, in fact, maybe eke a bit above that since that as things have progressed through March, um, it's very helpful for people within a portfolio. Um, and that, that prevailing view that, well, expanded multiples were very acceptable because interest rates were much lower was really in, inside the markets, inside the market from what I can see. Now, it, it's obviously in a position now where it's almost the reverse that people are saying, well, hold on, everything has been shut down. Um, companies are going broke left, right and centre. We're going to have a huge spike in unemployment. Um, you know, it, it's probably gone from in many in many ways, uh, overly optimistic to overly pessimistic. Um, what's your current view of the outlook where we are right now? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, so sentiment has certainly changed on a dime, but I think the facts on the ground um, have changed equally quickly. And um, I think that, you know, bear markets and recessions uh, are very rarely, um, you know, a sprint. They're more of a marathon. They're certainly shorter than bull markets. But I think it's op optimistic, um, you know, in the extreme to think that an event like this with uh, major Western economies in Europe, the US um, and Australia, New Zealand, everywhere you look really facing major shutdowns, um, un an unemployment spike, the likes of which you know our parents have never seen in their lifetimes. To think that that would all be over in a month with one short, sharp, thirty percent sell-off from uh, a starting point in markets that we thought was relatively um, frothy, I think that's optimistic. So um, the the bounce that we've seen this week, David and I were talking on a Friday. It's been one of the strongest equity markets uh, in years, just over the last uh, five days. That's the sort of price action you see in bear markets and the journey through you know, the tech bust in 2000 or the GSC in 2008-9, um, it is not just a you know, start and arrive, it's a journey and you will see ups and downs. So um, you know, we think we may be getting an opportunity, it's the end of the beginning to, to get out of any sort of um, more or, or less robust long investments you might have you know, remaining in the portfolio that have had a good bounce. Um, and I think we'll probably see a retest of those lows, if not lower, over the next few months. But uh, it should provide an amazing setup for the next few years um, on the long side. Just be cautious about going all in just yet. The term catching falling knives comes to, uh, comes to my thought. Um, ben, can you talk a little bit about what the current themes that you have in the portfolio given what you're seeing in markets at the moment? Sure. Uh, well, obviously the, the virus uh, has, and, and the sectors that it impacts um, have been front of mind in 2020. So we've been, you know, looking um, first of all, you know, at, at China exposed stocks, um, clearly the travel stocks um, um, came into that, uh, body of work, but things have re relatively quickly 
uh, broadened out into um, infrastructure assets, uh, retail um, businesses that have been impact, impacted. Um, and now we've got a sort of amazing situation where, um, you know, some of the largest tenants in the Australian economy are, are not paying their rent. Um, you know, what does that mean for geared landlords? What does that mean for, um, you know, mums and dads at home that might be um, living off rental income? Uh, there's just so many um, places that are being impacted by this economic slowdown or recession. Um, so we're really focused on, on looking at the winners and losers uh, out of this virus situation. And then on the long side, uh, we certainly see some opportunity. You know, we've got about 35% of our book invested in large cap US um, mega cap stocks in, in the tech space. And if you think about something like working from home in our business, um, one of the first things that we needed to do was, was race out and buy a few uh, laptops and um, Surface Pro home PCs. Um, our whole business is operating remotely. Um, everybody's working in the cloud through Bloomberg, um, shared um, Microsoft, um, you know, file sharing, um, and and we're doing this interview here on Zoom. So there's some real. Um, I think this business interruption or economic interruption has accelerated that move into the cloud, um, of which there's some clear beneficiaries, Amazon and Microsoft um, for a start. And then you've got um, further um, businesses like Visa and MasterCard, which whilst they'll take a short term hit because they make good money from international travel and uh, the, the movement of currency um, across borders, uh, this is a real, many businesses are really avoiding cash. So if you look at, you know, where I live in Bondi, Harris Farm Markets or IGA, no one's taking cash uh, because of the, the hygiene implications. So you're seeing an accelerating trend away from cash and you're also seeing um, um, people buy more things online rather than going to crowded shopping centers. So it's accelerating two big trends there. Uh, there's a, a couple of winners, um, also CME Group, which we, we own, is seeing a spike in um, volumes of, of trading across, you know, many, many financial instruments. So uh, they, they should be a short-term winner despite having sold off, you know, through this sell-off like everything else. And, and Ben, how do you manage the short positions you might have for some of these companies that have been um, real darlings of the market, have come under a lot of pressure. And I don't know whether what your position is or if you have, in fact, one, but if it comes to mind, a company like Afterpay, which was a real darling of the market, got hit very hard, um, but you're seeing huge daily volatility and trying to manage a short position on something like that could be very difficult. Can you tell us how you're going about managing that style of exposure? Yeah, it's um, it's challenging whether you're you know whether you're up in March or, or down hard um, a, a bear market and a sell off like this um, challenges your skills and your process. Um, so you have to you know once something is you know there's you're in a crash, it's too late to put on your seatbelt. You need to have some risk management processes in place before um, an, a market like this hits you. So on the short side. Uh, we run a, a very diversified book. Um, we we typically 
have about um, 120 stocks on average in the portfolio and, and it might um, on a, a given day look something like 80 shorts and uh, 40 long. So our short positions are um, by nature shorter, uh, smaller. Um, you know, we do look for catalysts, um, clearly a, a, a virus driven, um, you know, mass unemployment event is a, is a catalyst and it's gonna be very difficult for some businesses like um, you know, in the buy now, pay later space, for example, they've been some of the, the most um, well-loved and well-owned stocks in the Australian market, um, also very well-owned by overseas funds. And when you see um, book squaring, um, you know, they, they've kind of come under pressure, uh, but they can also uh, bounce just as hard. So I think you've just got to go into it with the, um, you know, the expectation that you're going to see extreme volatility in some of the businesses that are most impacted and um, that you, you have to have a, a view or some signposts along the way um, to, to prove whether or not you're right on what you think might happen to those businesses or, or not. And I think, you know, one thing we would expect is for those um, businesses to see a sharp slowdown in their top line growth, um, potentially a, a rise in delinquencies from uh, their customers and then a, um, they were very capital intensive and required a huge amount of um, equity issuance to um, to grow before the virus um, impacted them. Um, you know, we think things just get harder from here. So you'd want to see um, what happens to their earnings and what happens to their capital requirements over the next few months. Um, it's unlikely to all play out, you know, over the course of a month. Ben, you alluded to there, I think, an announcement that's been made this week, which I want to say, you can correct me here, was by Solomon Lou's group, um, which may be Premier Investments, a retail conglomerate, that they're basically closing all the stores and not going to be paying uh, the rent to the landlords. And uh, there seems to be this attitude that governments are promoting or people are promoting that you can knock on the door to the bank and just get them to put repayments off for a certain period and also just ring your landlord and tell them that you won't be paying rent for six months or similar. Um, how do you think that plays through the market? Well, uh, that, that's one of the things we're trying to work through at the moment. It's, it's kind of unprecedented. Um, there seems to be this view that landlords, if you, if you own property, uh, you're wealthy and can afford to take a hit. Um, but when you look at something like the listed property um, sector, um, you know, many of those uh, large listed property trusts are geared. Uh, they may not have yeah. the flexibility to, or the, the ability for management to agree to rent cuts in the short term. Um, you know, I think on a broader level in society, um, there's a view that um, everybody's got to take a bit of pain. You know, the old people are um, more at risk from the virus, it seems. The young people are more at risk from job losses. Uh, the old people will take a hit um, from their retirement savings from losing uh, things like rental income. Um, I just think, uh, it's a, it's a really unprecedented sort of situation. And the, the core thing that really matters is that this is a, a health issue really at its core. And it's very difficult to um, solve with things like uh, central bank monetary policy and giving people handouts or um, 
picking on one particular line item in their uh, cost base like rent and saying, well, you're, you've got a holiday for three months or here's $1,200 in your hand, it doesn't get you out spending um, sustainably if you've lost your job. Um, it's gonna take time for the business owners who've been forced to lay off you know, large, um, you know, large workforces to hire those people back and to get up to um, full capacity and see their demand come back. So it just doesn't look like a V-shaped event on the ground um, to me. So uh, it's interesting that the stock market's kind of looking at it that way. Yeah, it's interesting also to note the what I see is the emergence of a debate almost about the, yes, the virus will result in this sort of many deaths, deaths uh, if we play it out, but equally so if we shut down hotels and we shut down the economy for amount of time and have a huge spike in unemployment, we know there's a correlation that goes with self-harm and suicide and distress along with that. Um, and that's a real political quandary for the government to try to manage, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, I'm glad all I've got to worry about is a, a portfolio and keeping a, you know, a small family healthy. It's, uh, I don't know what the answer is. Um, it, it, they're just yeah. tough to all around. What's your attitude been to the fiscal stimulus that you've seen, Ben, that governments around the world have come together? It seems like they've learned quite a bit from the GFC, although many commentators are pointing to the fact that this is a external shock and not an internal structural problem with the economy um, that has almost led to a demand shock to the economy. Um, but you've seen unprecedented amount of liquidity added to the system and this whatever it takes attitude. Um, what, what's your attitude to the, to the response from the economic response from governments? Yeah, look, I'm a generalist. I've got a bachelor's degree in, in economics, but I'm not, you know, an economist. So uh, just the, the gut feel, it's all come so quickly, very difficult. We haven't had time to sort of wade through um, you know, the US stimulus package, for example. I mean, um, what I would, you know, uh, history doesn't repeat, does it, but it does rhyme. Um, you know, the, the big fiscal stimulus packages and monetary response in the GFC was not the bottom in the stock market. Um, you know, when Lehman failed, we, we saw a 50% bounce um, off, off that fall before markets trended down and bottomed in 2009. So, um, I think, yes, it's good that governments um, and central banks are acting very quickly. I think they've uh, uh, got a lot of tools at their disposal, but the starting point for interest rates was, um, you know, a lot lower than it was, you know, in the in the financial crisis, as Howard Marks, Marks said, um, he would rather see interest rates coming down from 5% to zero than from 1.5% to zero. That gives more of an impact and, you know, Dropping rates and, and spraying money around doesn't give people their jobs back and it doesn't fix, um, you know, the health situation that we're facing. Ben, uh, before we wrap up, what uh, sort of advice would you have for our listeners? And I'd probably uh, couch it in the or frame it that if you were to talk to your mum and dad now uh, or someone, you know, like my mum and dad who, um, you know, financially looking at, their investment and quite alarmed what they're seeing 
from markets term, what sort of broad overarching advice would you give them um, at this point in time? Yeah, um, look, it, it's probably too late to panic. Um, you know, if you have cash on the sidelines, um, uh, what we did see after the financial crisis was that, um, you know, it's a much more conducive environment to, to long investing. So you want to be looking at getting longer over the next few months. Um, uh, but you should be expecting some volatility in markets to persist um, over the next few years as well. We saw it's like when you throw a big rock in a pond, um, you get a big splash and then ripples. Um, you know, we had a a sell-off in 2010, a sell-off in 2011 that were, you know, pretty pretty decent bear markets in their own right. Um, so I said to a school friend who asked me last night, you know, well, he said, what should I do? And I said, look, if you had a million dollars, I'd put $100,000 to work now, $100,000 to work next week, and $100,000 to work the week after. And when you get to 800,000 invested over the next three months, I'd stop and keep 200, um, in your back pocket, just in case this turns out to be a 1929, you know, 30s type depression and it goes on for longer than you, you expect. I think this is, you know, we are in sort of unprecedented territory, but um, you definitely want to be thinking about putting money to work and also, you know, have a look around for, for good managers. You know, anybody can, can do well in a bull market. Um, you can do that yourself by gearing up um, and getting leverage long. Uh, look for people that have got a, you know, an established track record. Um, and if you're after capital protection as well as capital growth, um, you, you know, that you've now got an event that gives you an idea of, of who can deliver that. Ben, thank you very much for joining us. Right at this point in time, uh, I really appreciate an understanding with this volatility, everything's going on in markets. So thank you very much for joining us at Inside the Rope. Thanks, David, pleasure. Thank you for listening to Inside the Rope with David Clark. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with David by visiting codacapital.com. Any views expressed in this recording represent the personal opinions of the speaker and do not represent the view of any other party. If this recording contains reference to any financial products, that reference does not constitute advice or recommendation and may not be relied upon. Listeners in Australia are encouraged to visit www.moneysmart.gov.au to obtain information regarding financial advice and investments.